Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. The whole time I was drinking, I was basically building myself a nice little prison and I couldn't go anywhere without alcohol. So I had to have that water bottle full of vodka and to be free of that is just a godsend, if you will. My guest today is named DJ Kelly Reverb. Obviously, he's a DJ, but he's also a recovery support peer specialist and the host of this Pink Cloud podcast. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Hey, I am DJ Kelly Reverb. I am an RSPS, and uh, my DOC was alcohol but also did many other party favors. Been sober for a couple of years and some change now. Nice, nice. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Glad to have you on, man. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's go back in time a little bit, man. Let's hear the story where you came from and, and how you found recovery. Well, it started off when I was born. No. <laughs> started off, you know, I mean, basically, I would say, Teenage years, just typical trying to get comfortable and uh, using alcohol as that crutch. And then uh, started DJing a lot, started getting into that thing. So I had to uh, kind of entertain people. So it's always nice to have your friend alcohol in that setting. And, uh, you know, it was a beautiful thing because I was 18 Oh, ID 21 and up. What's that? You know? So, uh, basically kind of started off then a lot of good times. I mean, I, uh, actually was touring DJ like for my living from let's say like 95 to about 2005, you know, the road was all I did and it was cool. But then, you know, after the road, uh, then, uh, you know, it gets a little rocky readjusting to uh, real life. Yeah, I can, I can definitely imagine that being a, a difficult transition to go from being in different states and cities every night and being on the road and then coming back to slow pace. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, uh, you know, in some, in some people's eyes, you know, it would be considered fame. And, and, and fame is a fickle lady, you know, I had it for a while and, you know, most, most people, it's a million, I always say this, it's a million to one shot 
if you can, you know, get famous and to stay, you know, at that level or gain the, the odds start, uh, you know, getting more slim and more slim, but I was fortunate enough to do it. And, and now I'm sober enough to do it again. <laughs> nice, man. Nice. So, so you, you come back home after being on tour for basically 10 years. Yeah. So what is that? What, what's that moment where you realize like, man, my drinking is getting out of control. I got to do something different. Well, well, I mean, from, from there I started, you know, I mean, I would do day jobs, you know, here and there. And I, I was fairly successful at, you know, some, uh, management type positions. Like, uh, I actually did a managed chat job where I managed a team of like 35 at home moms doing uh, chat for auto related, uh, <laughs> the auto related industry. So that was that was a fun cat wrangling job. <laughs> I started doing that and I was still DJing, but the, the gigs, the money wasn't as good and the gigs weren't as cool, you know, because I mean, I was full on rave, you know, headliner, co-headliner. And then all of a sudden I'm playing at uh, local top 40 bar after that, because I mean, I take that back. There was a few kind of cool spots, but to find the cool guy gigs, the, the air quote cool guy gigs is few and far between. And to get paid doing that is even fewer and far between, you know, I mean, hell, I never really wanted to get a real job. So I always would take that DJ money, but, but DJing uh, in like in that setting, uh, you know, where it's basically, I call it, I was a glorified wedding DJ, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you would lose just a little bit of your soul each night, mm. you know, <laughs> after playing the Cupid shuffle, you know, a couple times, uh, you're just like, yeah, dude, <laughs> do I really want to do this? You know, trying to work in, at a real job. And then, you know, DJing on the weekends and stuff like that, you know, it just started, uh, I would say drinking was an occupational hazard of uh, DJing because you're pretty much expected to drink. And, uh, you know, if you don't, people are like, oh, what's wrong, man? <laughs> mm. You know, but then I, I started, I got a job uh, from home uh, where I was doing a sales job. So it was call, uh, cold calling. And uh, then, you know, just happy hour started a little earlier each day. And uh, the, the drinking as far as, uh, as DJing, the tailgating is what I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tailgating before the gig that uh, started uh, happening all day. And I would say probably, you know, I was drinking on a daily basis around 2017 is where it got pretty much daily. And then God bless my wife. She, uh, you know, started noticing it. So then, you know, you have to start doing the bottle shuffle. And, uh, and hiding, hiding, hiding your habit because you're not an alcoholic, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you know, it, uh, like what one of my friends says, and it's my favorite saying that alcohol is the ultimate slow play, 
you know, and if you're a fan of poker or anything like that, it's just like, it's just like nickel and dime you every day. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, oh shit, I might have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, you know, when we started realizing that was a problem, you know, I started doing the conventional method. I mean, the only thing, the 12 steps, the AA, you know, the, the rooms as they call it. And I, I did that. I didn't really, you know, I guess I kind of passively sought out a sponsor, but you know, it was just more of a, a fellowship. So I'm not just at home drinking all day, but obviously, you know, that didn't stop me from going to many an AA meeting, uh, completely blitzed you know i i was doing that and i tried that route and that route really wasn't working the r word came up several times which was uh which was rehab and uh you know i i went to rehab and um I, at at that time i was at a, about 220 to 230 uh as far as weight goes i was fully diabetic insulin shots twice a day having to monitor my blood sugar of course i still didn't have a problem but then you know once i went to rehab um and i just went i went for a 30-day stint i started being able to to function or realize that i could function without alcohol and i felt better you know my diabetes almost fully cleared up within that 30 days. So I, I got to wean off of insulin shots. I mean, if that tells you anything to the amount I was drinking to give, to bring onset of diabetes, you know, that's, that's where I was. And, you know, just within that short window, blood sugar starts getting normal. And then, you know, I get out, A1C is great, and the uh, endocrinologist is like, hey, uh, here's an idea, come back never. I think to me, this whole time, my drinking, I was doing it socially, but I also would have panic attacks and anxiety. I would drink to to mask that. I would self-diagnose. Mm. You can only self-diagnose for or or self-medicate for so long and so much. That rabbit's only going to come out of the hat, uh, so, you know, so many times before it's dead. <laughs> Do you think some of the drinking also came from from that transition of going from being on the road, being famous, and then all of a sudden you're now working a normal job and like. You know, yeah, there's definitely a depression factor that starts to set in. But, you know, it's funny. Um, I actually my first anxiety attack, I was I was like 25 and I was in Pittsburgh, a.k.a. Not everybody knows this, but that's Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Did not know that. <laughs> there you go. Fun fact. So I was in the Pittsburgh airport. You know, ha I was having a panic attack and I didn't know what the hell a panic attack was. I just thought I was having a heart attack or something. And I had really done, you know, nothing to elicit a heart attack. And and I was, uh, you know, about a buck 90. So it was like, 
you know, I had no idea what this was, but you know, back then I was flying first class and of course, so I'll take a, you know, a bloody Mary at, you know, 6am. And, and so I actually, that's where I learned. And the, the time when I learned, Hey, uh, I can throw some alcohol at it and then I'll be okay. Because, you know, after two or three, I was feeling just fine. And, you know, there was a, uh, learned behavior. Yeah. And that, I mean, that totally makes sense, man. You, you, I think we all fall into that where we, we do that self-medication thing where it's like, I don't like the way I'm feeling here. Or I don't like this event. I don't like whatever fill in the blank, but I know what will make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what was your, what was your DOC? My drug of choice was meth. Ah, okay. That is a different, that is a different, uh, realm. And, uh, you probably have seen some shadow people. I have, I have seen quite a few shadow people. Yes. But, but I, I drank pretty heavily too. And then part of my story is once I had this realization, like I can't do the meth anymore, Mm -hmm. but I can still drink and smoke weed. So then I went through, uh, a, a little period of time where I was drinking very, very, very heavily. And then, uh, right. Ended up going to, uh, to, uh, the, county jail which i mm. sometimes call rehab yeah, it's forced rehab <laughs> yeah a little forced rehab yeah there you go well that's yeah that's crazy and i mean you know the thing is is like like i said i mean i was doing the uh the, what i call the uh, drinker's companion uh which is cocaine mm-hmm. um you know because hey if i do some cocaine man i can i can drink more this is great you know, but then I don't know, for some reason, and it's probably like this with, with meth and probably any type of speed, but it just, I, I got to be where, man, I fucking, I fucking like to sleep, man, you know? And, and when you're, when you're up at eight in the morning and the school bus is going by and you're still up and uh, all twisted, you're just like, really, dude? <laughs> I, I never got tired of that, man. I would sleep one or, one or two days. <laughs> you a week. would sit there and wave at the kids. <laughs> well, in my head, I, I thought I was being more productive. I, I have more hours in the day now. Now I can oh, really, there you now go. I can really spend some time taking apart this VCR. <laughs> I love it. Did you do that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, man. I, I, I fell into a lot of those stereotypes of like, taking apart electronics and putting tinfoil over my windows and all that stuff. Oh, Oh, that's hilarious. Oh yeah, man. But did you ever get the VCR back together? No, no, that's not the point. (laughs) Of course not, man. I just wanted to see how it worked. I want to see the insides. (laughs) That's funny, man. Oh yeah. But yeah, since since uh, recovery, it, you know, it was weird just adjusting to life without alcohol. And I don't tell anybody what they should do. Uh, but I think for me, it was really one of the uh, you know best life decisions I made because I didn't even realize the whole time I was drinking, I was basically building myself a nice little prison, and I couldn't go anywhere without alcohol. So I had to have that water bottle full of vodka Mm -hmm. 
you know, and always had to have a roadie and always had to be just the right amount to go anywhere, especially if I was going to be in a social setting and to be free of that is just a godsend, if you will. Definitely, man. Definitely. So you mentioned that you had gone, gone to this rehab and then you got out. So, mm-hmm. and, and you'd also said that you had tried the AA route before and that didn't really jive with you. So what does your recovery look like today? Do you, do you do some alternative kind of meetings? What, what does it look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what I, what I did is I got out, I would still go to AA meetings and anybody that goes to an AA meeting is immediately turned off. You know, there's other meetings out there that might be more your cup of tea or more your vibe or more, you know, conducive to your personality. So I always say, hey, but if you can't find one, then there's always like smart recovery, Mm -hmm. which is cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which I found a cool meeting and it happened to be going on for a while, which was skate straight. So I would hit that once a week. I would build my network, you know, like as far as, as people I could talk to about it and that would get me, you know, I, I found that community was a huge aspect of it. Um, and, you know, I, I started doing that at Skate Straight. But then, you know, I, I was also doing IOP when I got out. I would say the key thing to actually keeping me sober, like especially early on, course when we go into rehab i'm just i'm gonna get out and and then i'll, I'll just dial it back right mm-hmm. you know because that's what we all do i'm just gonna dial it back and i'm gonna be able to socially drink you know and that was my thinking of getting out of rehab but then you know okay well hey i'll just i'll make it 60 days you know hey i've i've lost 30 pounds i'm not diabetic anymore i'm not my home life is is way better i mean i'm not constantly in a in a state of trouble with my wife so i was like let's give sobriety a little chance you know i mean i drank heavily for 25 years plus let's take a little break and i i never like to say forever but you know so far so good it's um it's really helped me out and then also of course you know the podcast which i do has also, you know, a little built-in accountability as well. Definitely, man. I I feel that I feel that for sure because I I've I've had that before. Where I'm like, you know, I could I could have a, a couple beers and nobody would know. I'm like, yeah, but I do a recovery podcast. Like, what the hell am I <laughs> right? thinking, man? It's like you you built in that accountability like for yourself. I I just do it because I love it and. Hopefully, you know, maybe somebody listening or or watching, you know, it inspires them because, well, by the way, you know, the show that I do is called This Pink Cloud, and it's this, not the, this pink cloud. Uh, and if you want to go to thispinkcloud.com, that'll take you to the YouTube channel, but I'm also on uh, all the other major streaming formats. I do that, and there's so much so many different aspects and so many different stories and so much kind of, kind of what I do on the, on my show is kind of what I call infotainment. So, you know, I'll have on maybe somebody from a K 
ketamine infusion therapy clinic, right? Mm-hmm. I'll have them on the show one week and we'll talk about microdosing ketamine in a clinical setting and how it can be beneficial. And, you know, it may be an avenue for somebody that's, you know, what I call treatment resistant. So I do that. And then also I got my RSPS, which is a a recovery support peer specialist, uh, which is an actual license through the state of Texas. And, and basically, it's basically like their term for a recovery coach. So, I mean, I have all these things that I built in uh, as far as, as accountability. And I mean, I, and I'm always a big fan of the pros and cons list, you know, just something simple. Like, I mean, if you, if somebody out there is listening that wants to help, you know, somebody first off. You cannot make them want sobriety. You cannot do that. And I think you'll echo my uh, sentiment there, right? Yes, absolutely, man. You're, you're not, you're not going to change somebody's mind. No, they, you got to come to right. that yourself. And, and what I would do is just simple, you know, one-on-one stuff is just have them do a pros and cons list. And that's, that's really what I tell people. If you can turn your alcohol use off and on, then maybe you don't have a problem. Maybe, maybe you're a normie, you know, maybe, you know, you're just, uh, maybe you're just good at drinking, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) I was good at drinking. I just wasn't good at stopping. There we go. (laughs) There we go. Well, and that's, that's when it gets to the, the shitty point to, and, and that's what I love about recovery is everybody that says they're in recovery has been to that point where it's like the shit show has taken over and you know, you're a full blown addict and, and the addiction is your job. Mm -hmm. So, but other than that, you know, I've done a bunch of positive stuff and um, hopefully the, the podcast, you know, I applaud anyone that does a podcast because people don't realize the amount of work that goes into it, uh, you know, the editing and, and the scheduling and, and all that fun stuff. And especially like on mine, we're filming myself. So I actually have to take a shower, uh, you know, (laughs) and then, and then you're hoping, Oh, okay, well, cool. You know, because you're dealing with addicts, dude. So you're like, Oh, geez, I hope all my guests show up. I, yeah, I, I know that struggle, man. I I've had quite a few no shows. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're doing it and, and the reason why I do it is because I love it. And it's basically kind of my 12th set step, so to speak. I always say that I've worked the steps just not with a sponsor and maybe not in the one through 12 order. But when I take a look at them, I'm like, yeah. And I think fundamentally they're great. It can get a little clicky, but, you know, hey, if it's the only game in town, do what, do whatever it takes. And, and, and I say like your podcast, my podcast, you know, they're just tools that people can use in their toolbox because this story might not be their story, but they might relate to something in you know, whoever story that you have on that week. Right. Right. And that's, and that's one of the things that I've said 
plenty of times. It's like if, if this week's episode doesn't vibe with you, come back next week because next week somebody might be telling your story. You never yeah. know. You never know who what what you're going to hear. That's that's going to be that aha moment of like that's exactly what I needed to hear in this moment, or that's I've been there. I relate to that. You just never know who's going to hear right story and and who it's going to touch well and i love it because i mean i guarantee you you and i have both learned so much from being in recovery that i had no idea about you know like street stuff and then also different treatment avenues and and just a myriad of of different information that i wouldn't have had and i'm thankful to have because of what what you and I are doing. So I've been doing this podcast for about two and a half years now. And I, mm-hmm. I've learned so much in the two and a half years about, you know, different forms of recovery, different recovery programs, different modalities. Like there's so many things that I've learned about that I had no clue about when I started the podcast. You know, when I started the podcast, I came from a 12 step background. That was kind of, you know, that was it. It's like 12 step is how you recover. And I didn't really know a whole lot about other other ways of recovery, other programs. And now today, yeah. like I, I've been to other recovery meetings. I've interviewed people from different fellowships and different programs. And I've interviewed people that don't use programs. Well, what have you found as far as helpful? And, and you know, we've talked about the having the podcast as your built-in accountability. But what have, what have you done, like, as far as as far as your recovery or do you have a network of people that you can reach out to when you're feeling a little squirrely? Yeah, man. I mean, my recovery today looks very different than it did day one, year one. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't get to as many meetings as as I did in the early days, but of course, but I'm also, I've, I've found that solution. You know, I'm not drowning anymore. I'm in that life. I'm in that lifeboat now. So my life looks different mm-hmm. today than it did then. So I don't I don't attend as many meetings as I did when I first started, but I but I have a big circle of people and and it, it mm-hmm. looks different for everybody, but I have a core group of people that's about 3 or 4 people that are like they know all the deep dark nasty stuff that I've done and and then there's like rings on that circle. It almost looks like like a bullseye. They know, they know all the they know all the VCRs you've taken apart. They do, yeah. So so you have that <laughs> you have like the different levels. So there's a few people that are in that core, and then I have people that mm-hmm. that I can call and I can talk to and you know bounce ideas off of and stuff. But they that's it, it might be more of a like a mid level kind of friendship thing. And then there's people that are just like acquaintances that I call occasionally or run into, but you know, they're in recovery and we, you know, we're, we're all kind of going in that same direction of recovery, but it's like three levels of, of friendship intimacy. And that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of my main thing, man. It's like, I have those people. I stay in contact with those people. I go to, you know, usually about one meeting a week. So, you know, not crazy, mm-hmm. but I'm still staying connected. And then I do the podcast, man. And that sure for me, the podcast itself is like having a mm-hmm. meeting, you know, we're getting together, we're talking recovery. Well, that was one of the things that started me with the podcast is I was, you know, sitting in one of the rooms and, uh, and I was just like, man, you can't make this shit up, dude. You know? And then the, the, the whole thing with the anonymity, um, I, I get it because, you know, the big book was written in 1939 and I think 
that there's a, you know, there was a huge stigma for you to be in recovery at that time when the, when the book was written. And, and I get it. If somebody still wants to remain anonymous and do everything on the DL, I think that's great. But I find it getting destigmatized more, the more people talk about it and the more people, uh, there's so many people that I've met that it's like, uh, dude, you look like you should be a concierge at the four seasons, you know, and, and come to find out he was a heroin addict living in a tent behind a CVS, uh, and was, you know, down to 112 pounds. So, I mean, it's just amazing the, the people, you know, that, that you meet and that you wouldn't even think, I mean, addiction is across the board, man. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> look at jerry jones a hundred percent man and that and that and i agree with you i think if we want to end the stigma we have to have people that are willing to admit that they are in recovery i mean think how amazing that would be if if you had doctors and lawyers and you know professionals you know people we don't think of as as being addicts they're like you know i'm in i'm in recovery yeah yeah, yeah, that yeah. that shatters that stigma because even even I had that that idea that stigma in my mind when I first started coming around the rooms of recovery. I don't want to identify as being in recovery because an addict, you know, sleeps under the bridge and panhandles and uses needles and like you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's all these ideas that we as a society have about what an addict is, and I don't want to lump myself in that group. But it's it's the it's fur it's the furthest thing from the truth, but it's what we think of. So I agree, right. man. We gotta show successful people in all different vocations and you know, all different aspects of life and have them be like, Yeah, I'm in recovery. And then that that helps break that stigma and that stereotype of what an addict is. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, all kinds of you know, people with, with means and, and with incredible talent, uh, have been addicts. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, I I think it's pretty well known that, uh, Eric Clapton, Eddie Van Halen, they've all done the rehab thing. Peter Murphy, bless his heart. He's in there right now. Peter Murphy's the uh, lead singer for Bauhaus. So, I mean, I would consider myself you know, a pretty successful individual other than, uh, and, and a good person, but you know, I'm much, I'm a much better version of myself when I'm not drinking, Mm. you know, and, and I'm able to, to focus and, and make, make, you know, better decisions as far as I'm concerned, you know, I mean, the DJ career is doing great. Uh, it's always kind of been there, but now I'm back in the studio writing again. Uh, and actually it's funny, funny story. One of the guy that I'm writing with just got out of County, uh, got out of forced rehab. Um, (laughs) but he was in there for a good year and a half. Um, and he's a heroin addict, complete genius. You wouldn't know it unless, unless you heard his story, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, yeah, DJ and thing, if anybody wants to look up my stuff, I've uh, I've had a song. This is my one one of my claim to fames. I had a song in the movie The Blade with Wesley Snipes. So it's that time of year, uh, you know, when you can start watching The Blade again. But uh, my song comes up right at the end of the movie when he pulls his blade out. 
and then uh, I've had uh, I've I've had my own label for a long time, uh, Lone Star Records. Done, uh, you know, at least I guess about twelve releases actually on vinyl on that label. It's amazing to me, and what I find so fascinating about the whole DJ thing is a I got to make a living at it, uh, and it was my hobby. But then just to think that millions literally millions if not hundreds of millions of people have heard my music and you know hopefully enjoyed hopefully enjoyed it so i'm very lucky and very humble or humbled um i wouldn't say humble but uh <laughs> you know I was, I, I was very lucky to have that opportunity and just to think about that somewhere in the world Somebody is watching the blade right now and that my song is playing. So it's kind of cool, but uh, Oh yeah. If anybody wants to check out my other music, uh, it's under Kelly reverb on SoundCloud. Uh, I also have the website, DJ Kelly reverb.com. Uh, have the, this pink cloud on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe because, uh, it's all about, growing shows like yours and mine and and having that many more people in touch with what's going on because your people are your people and then i have my people that are my people and but then if we can just get them all together and and get some momentum uh you know we have a good shot at destigmatizing and um mm. you know helping people and i know i'm gonna have you and uh, Mr. Drunken Worm on as well. Yeah, yeah. DJ One Up. There we go. DJ One Up. Shout out. Shout out to to Carl. I was lucky enough to be on his show, um, The Drunken Worm, which is a great uh, podcast as well. And now I'm on yours, so I want to do the same and and have have you guys. But I'm going to actually make y'all be in person. I know. It's, so here's here's the crazy part. So Carl and I did our the other the live show that i'm a part of a part of recovery revolution we did that together mm -hmm. for well the show's been going for about a year now he was a part of the show for probably about six months or so before he got mm -hmm. his new job and his schedule changed but he and i have never met in person but we've done probably between his show my show and then the show we did together we've probably done i'd say at least 40 or 50 podcast episodes together and we talk on the phone at least once a right. week if not more but i've never met this guy in person so we're gonna meet for the first time that's great the the last i heard the plan was i'm gonna pick him up from the airport and then we're gonna come to you and record an episode did he book a date yet he hasn't booked a date yet no okay yeah but it's gonna be cool because we're, we're gonna have you and i interviewing carl and then Carl and I interviewing you. Nice. And then, you know, you've, you guys have already interviewed me. So we got a two for one there. And, uh, you know, it'll be old home week for uh, you and Carl. It's going to be cool, man. He's actually he's going to be sleeping in the room that I record. And we have a, a little bed. That, <laughs> we have a bed in here. This is the guest room slash podcast room. So he's actually going to be staying here for a couple of days. So I'm excited, man. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, that's cool. I'm excited to have you guys on the show, too. And it took you inviting him to be on your podcast to get him to come to <laughs> Texas, even though I've been right? telling him for forever. 
you need to come out here, man. And then you're like, hey, come on my podcast. And he's like, I'm buying a ticket. I, I love that about being sober is because you're like, man, the odds of that happening and the odds of me recognizing that happening, probably pretty slim when I wasn't sober. And you just realize it kind of seems to work out and not to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but you know, recovery in recovery for me, it hasn't been all unicorns and rainbows, but I can definitely say I'm glad that I'm sober going through this. Cause I, I, you know, I lost my mother about six months ago. So, you know, that's always tough to lose a parent. And, and when it was unexpected, it, it's, it's a rough thing, but I think I was able to handle it a lot better and to be there for other members of the family and hold my shit together. You know, I navigated it much better than I would have if I was getting drunk because I would probably have a D, couple DUIs and, and constantly weeping. Well, and I think that's, that's an important thing to, to tell people that are listening that maybe haven't given the recovery thing a try. It's not that we're going to get perfect, but, mm. and, and I, and I can only speak from my personal experience because I too have, have lost family members and stuff since I've been in recovery. My life hasn't gotten perfect, but my life is so much better than it was before. And it seems like the problems that come up in my life, I can handle those. Right. Whereas before it was just like, that's just another reason to just get even more blitzed. Uh-huh. Like, I, I can't handle this. So yeah, life's not going to get perfect, but life will get better. Yeah. When I compare the two. It's not even close. Right. I think that's key. I mean, you know, I, and that's the other thing. I don't like to preach at people and, and tell them what to do. It's just like, Hey man, this is what I did so far. So good. Uh, but it's up to you to decide. And I mean, I've had a friend that actually, uh, I guess I inspired him to, and he just took a year off from drinking just to prove that he could, because at some point he thought he had a problem. So, you know, I, I find that interesting and I'm like, Hey man, I'll check with you in six months. <laughs> You'll be my litmus test, dude. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like it, man. I like it. Well, Kelly, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing our in-person interview with Carl if he ever books his ticket. Yeah, right? Carl, get off your ass. That's right. He, he's already gotten <laughs> approved to get time off of work, but I was telling him the other day, I was like, dude, I only got a couple of, couple of PTO days left. I need you to let me know so I can book those days that you're coming. Yeah. Come on, man. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be for me to get off. And that show that you'll be on is called This Pink Cloud. So if the people want to see those episodes coming up, that's where it'll be, right? That is correct. And and if they're listening, they can scroll down and there'll be links down there in the show notes where you can just tap on This Pink Cloud and it'll take you directly there and you can see all your episodes and everything. So if you're interested in that, look in the show notes. It'll be there. Yeah, we've had some good stuff. You know, people say alcoholics or, or people in recovery are boring. So I had an episode called uh, Psychedelics in Recovery, right? Because there's, uh, there's a lot of evidence out there that in taken responsibly, you know, psychedelics can be beneficial. So, you know, after the loss of my mother, I actually, in two years sober, I, I was like, 
um, you know, I'm going to go to an ayahuasca retreat. So, <laughs> so I have that episode on there as well. It's definitely interesting, man. And, and, and there's, there's so much stuff that just finds its way to me. That's just like amazing to talk about and amazing life experience and, and to share that with these people and, and to have the, the commonality of, uh, being in that uh, jail and being in that prison and then now being free, you know, and being able to relate with people on that level is just amazing to me. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. And, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it as well. And I uh, can't wait to have you guys on the show. I'm looking forward to it as well. Kelly, thank you again for coming on the show today, man. It was an absolute pleasure, and I'm looking forward to coming on your show with Carl here in the near future. If you guys are interested in learning more about DJ Kelly Reverb, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.